Fearscape Media Network, exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time. Hi friends, this is Kelly with Wishful Drinking and Binge Thinking, the podcast where I get just absolutely hammered and I dole out psychological advice. That's right, I am going to be more drunk than that girl you met in the bar bathroom after your karaoke set who said, you have such good stage presence, oh my god. That's right, zero preparation, multiple drinks, countless profound gems. Tune in the last Monday of every month on Fearscape Media Network. Thank you for tuning in to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. We are on a journey to understand and to discover the phenomena that seems to exist all around the globe. We invite you to join us on this journey into the unknown. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another fantastic episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast here on the Fearscape Media Network. I am your host, Stefan Lovable McGee Gearhart, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Josh, not as lovable McGee Rutledge. How are you, sir? I am fantastic. And you know, the amount of lovability that somebody has is all dependent upon the person doing the lovability exercise i i feel like you were about to do a tongue twister and i didn't know so when i say you're not as lovable it does, yeah it does not mean that you aren't right. lovable it's right. just that i am like a teddy bear level of lovable and you're like a man a stuffed manatee no 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 you're you're like you're like a, a regular size teddy bear amount of lovable mm-hmm. and i'm like the giant fucking teddy bears that people rip the stuffing out of and then or they just put in their closet people. because yeah. it's just too big to fucking right. go anywhere but they love it i mean they open it up and they're like oh i need to get this fucking dress for the yeah. day excuse my language but it's like, i need to get this dress for the day oh my josh bear is back mm-hmm. there oh i love that guy right shut you know, so basically what you're saying is I spend all day <laughs> in a dark closet. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Looking for spooky stuff. That's what we do here on yeah. Fearscape. Paranormal podcast. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, we got a fun show for you guys tonight. We're actually going to do a roundtable discussion with just ourselves. So I guess it's really not a roundtable. It's more rectangular. Um, but it's just Josh and I. But we're going to be talking tonight about extraterrestrials uh we're going to be talking about just uh, in general things that we think about it what do we think we're going to discuss it so i don't know what the hell's going to happen but i know i want to talk about some of the stuff that's happened with disclosure and the like uh so make sure you stick around for that because it's going to be some a very crazy times right now yeah. crazy times right now yeah and uh i may even reference steven spielberg's et uh, can we that's called that's called that's called a palette wetter is it if it's less than seven seconds we can talk about it right and the way it, where, where it goes et 
<laughs> Anyways, let's get moving on, man. I want to get into our first segment of the night, which is the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionaries Psychic Word of the Week. And now, the Psychic Word of the Week. Psychic Word of the Week, just like I said, comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary from uh, June G. Bletzer, PhD, Rustin, Rustin Peace. Oh my God, oh I'm my listening goodness. to Megadeth now. Um, <laughs> rest in peace, honey bear. I don't know if you were into heavy metal or not, but you know, if you are, represent. Uh, is, that what but, the, is that what the Transformers do? Do they rust in peace? They do rust in peace, yeah. Because, uh, well, unless they're in Arizona, it don't really rust out here. It doesn't <laughs> rain very often. It's kind of cool. No so you drive by the junkyards and you're like, is that a car lot? Oh, it's a junkyard? Oh. Oh. Okay. Go, go pick one up for five bucks. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Look at that short bus. Neat. Oh, twelve dollars still runs. Okay. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, so I flipped through uh, the pages here. I landed on page three hundred and fifty, and uh, the first um, set of uh, words here that grabbed my attention was levitated running, uh, which, by the way, is underneath levitated dancing. Just wanted to point okay. that out, but I, I I did see running first, so we're gonna go with that. Uh, so levitated running. Uh, this comes from Tibet. And it says to run great distances without touching one's feet to the ground and without tiring accomplished by focalizing one's entire attention on the upper part of the body and allowing the feet to take care of themselves. The focalizing of attention puts one in a semi-trance making the skill easier uh, can also be accomplished by allowing an etheric world intelligence to Oh, interpenetrate. Sorry, I was like, is that what it says? Interpenetrate one's <laughs> body and use it to run because of the intelligence's ability to control gravity. Interesting. So I wonder if this is closely related to like how those people run across hot coals. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's well, like a the, big thing. Like mind over matter, right? I mean, it's yeah. What you're doing. Though, I yeah. mean, this really says oh, you're not touching the ground. So I, I feel like levitated running is similar yes. to what Jesus did in the Bible. Um, though I feel like he did more le levitating standing. But if you're if you're levitating and you're running and your feet aren't touching the ground, isn't that just flying? I don't know. Because, you know, in camp, so in uh, not Campbellsville, but uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, outside of there, in one of the counties, there was this and this is this is an uh, urban legend that's in many cities. But there was this um, urban legend of this Native American man that would run alongside your car if you were down this back road, this long stretch of highway um, at night and things like that. And so I used to get real freaked out because I would think that I would see this man running next to us. And while they would say you really couldn't see his feet, you know, but you could see his upper torso and he'd be running because you could see his arms moving and things like that. Um, so then it's like, well, is he running then using your logic or is he floating, flying? Well, it, it also um, makes me think about Scooby-Doo. Uh, whenever they would, whenever they would get frightened, you know, they would kind of stay in one space. But yeah, their the legs would up, be, man, they would let their legs would be moving, but they wouldn't be going yet. Yep. I mean, that's basically the same thing, right? I, I think so. I, I think so. <laughs> I think we've discovered the science behind Scooby Doo Run. Yeah. Um, zoinks. 
Uh, so yeah, so levitated running, very, very interesting. But yeah, again, my point is, or your point and mine is as well, do you even need to move your feet? Like if you're levitating right. and able to move, um, or is your feet moving, pushing through the air currents, right? Like, you know. So you know what it, you know what it makes me think of really, and if this is another movie reference, um, Dark City. I love uh, that movie, man. I have the director's cut. Ooh, great, it's good. great movie. But anyways, um, there's a, there's a scene where he uh, like basically levitates up the stairs. Mm-hmm. Like he's keeping his feet straight, you know, and he just kind of like levitates up the stairs. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. So I can see that. <laughs> or, or Magneto, you know, just. Yeah. Or like, Magneto. Yep. Definitely. I uh, can get on that as well. Um, but yeah, so thank you, Junji Bletzer, as usual. We love you, honey bear. Rest in peace. Or rust in peace. Rust in peace, whichever. So a transformer. Um, all right. So uh, let's get on to our next segment, which is well, what? You got more to say? Aren't we all transformers in the end? I wish I wouldn't have stopped. I wish I wouldn't have stopped, John. <laughs> wish I wouldn't. Have. I am sorry, audience. I'm sorry. Hug your blankets real tight. Things get spooky with Josh. So moving on to to some spooky news. All right. So spooky news so we can uh, rinse our palate out after that um, is I've got uh, fun. This is some fun spooky news. Okay, so, you know, not everything is crazy. Uh, well, not like the the tree exorcisms, but um, this set of spooky news comes from uh, Kiro7.com in Cleveland, I believe. Uh, this the headline reads scary menu new haunted house restaurant to open in Cleveland Uh, and some of you guys know I I grew up in Cleveland a little bit my mom lived in Cleveland my dad lived in Toledo so I love me some Cleveland and I am all about this Uh, so anyways this says here uh, most restaurant patrons do not enjoy a scary experience when eating their meals but a new restaurant in Cleveland might change their mind Uh, this is called the haunted house restaurant clever name clever yeah very very original um, Re- original um in cleveland heights will combine scary movies and food when it officially opens on july 20th so looks like this opened up uh last week so uh of cleveland or excuse me the plain dealer of cleveland reported which is their uh newspaper there uh, it says don't worry even if the servers handle knives they will not be dressed as jason Voorhees, freddy krueger or michael myers so relax i'm kind of mad about that i would have been i thought that would have been really cool but, but that's not a haunted house that would be a horror house thing no it's haunted house that's, no it's if not you've ever been to haunts at halloween they're dressed up as like the leather face and it and all that crap so nobody goes um, to a haunted house to try to get an evp of jason Voorhees. well not a not that kind of haunted house um i mean there's two types there's the entertainment kind and right. then there's the real kind <laughs> which one is this one this is I, this is the entertainment kind because like okay. i said if you go like around okay. halloween when they got all those haunted houses everywhere it's all like aliens and predators and jason and freddy and other type of monsters and stuff like that so um i yes it would be called a horror house i guess but that gets a little too close to those weird churches that do those hell houses and just Anyways, on with the story. Anyways, uh, so uh, the reporter said the only thing scary is how good the food is. 
and there is a sign on the wall next to scary movie posters that will greet the patrons with that uh, phrase there. Uh, artwork in the restaurant will include Voorhees along with Pennywise the Clown and Frankenstein Monster and all sorts of stuff. From the moment people come through the doors, we're paying homage to the classic horror and thriller movies, restaurant partner Andre Scott said. Um, uh, co-founders Scott and Ryan Gulat have known each other since high school. Yippee. Um, they wanted to, oh, hey, this gets close as little as Gulat wanted to have a restaurant with a different concept after he got some inspiration after seeing Super Chefs in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, look at that. Wow. I, I love Super Chefs, man. That Hulk freaking uh, chicken and waffles is banging, dude. It's a green green waffle it's awesome dude so it's all superhero themed it's really really cool yeah. uh, he says we don't have uh superpowers um so we could use anything it could have been video games or anime characters or whatever but he said he loves horror movies and thought it'd be really cool if they based the restaurant off of horror movies and paranormal stuff uh scary stuff will not be limited to the main floor um uh, here are some of the menu items uh, nightmare on elm street corn uh, jerk Silence of the Lamb Pops, <laughs> the Lurch Burger, Jaws, which is pizza with seafood cream sauce and other seafood items, the Grinch, which is a, a green Hawaiian punch uh, adult drink, and there's the full menu there that you can check out. So I want to go. Why did they go with Nightmare on Elm Street corn and not Children of the Corn? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe nobody wants to eat children. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but and maybe it's because it looks like Freddy, dude, because it's street corn. So, you know, if you've ever had street yeah. corn, which I love, you know, it's got paprika and all right. kinds of stuff. So it's kind of gives it that yeah. brown, orange yeah. kind of burnt looking. Yeah. And so this has uh, garlic aioli, cotija cheese, smoked bourbon, paprika, cilantro and candied bacon. I'm like, I'm in, man. I'm in. So. But yeah, fun. I love concept restaurants like that, especially pop culture stuff. Um, I feel like we used to have pop culture in every restaurant, like TGI Fridays and Applebee's all just had pop culture everywhere. Don't you have a place like by your house that's like uh, Superhero Marvel one. or something? Yeah, it's a. Uh, I haven't been yet, but I want to go. It's called like Superhero X or something. But yeah, it's a superhero themed restaurant that looks really, really cool. And I'm thanking you for reminding me because yeah. I keep forgetting. There you go. So, yeah, we'll definitely have to hit that up next time you're out here because I, I am, want to check that out. I am the string on your finger, my friend. Ooh, let me pull you for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So let's get on to our last segment here, which is the UFO UAP sighting of the week. All right, Josh, uh, you've been telling me all week you had one rearing and ready to go. So I've just set the bar high. It's on you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th this one is. I mean, I, I came across this doing I'm doing a lot of data mining. Uh, I mean, Newfork. aren't we all data? Yeah, aren't we all data? We are. <laughs> we are not data from Star Trek. No, mm -mm. no. But but yes, we're all particles. Anyways, uh, so this actually happened. Uh, June 30th, 1988, uh, the, the person reported it in 2007, officially from New, on New Fork. Um, but it, it goes a little something like this. 
I was moving from Houston, Texas to Metro Detroit, Michigan. I was traveling alone in a huge 26-foot Ryder rental truck while towing my 1985 Cavalier on a tow dolly behind. I was heading north out of Elizabethtown, Kentucky, but was still well south of Louisville, Kentucky on I-65. I saw a state park sign coming up, so I decided to pull over to that exit and just sleep on the shoulder on the side of the road near the highway so I could get an early start without getting lost in the morning. Plus, I was not very acclimated with the procedures needed to back this monster mobile up. Anyway, I merged into the exit lane and turned right onto this road named Forgotten. I proceeded probably a mile or more down the road, so I was far enough away not to hear noise from the occasional semi going up the hills on the interstate. I pulled off from the right shoulder, went over a hill, stopped near the bottom of the grade. I engaged the emergency brake, cut the motor, and I was smoking a cigarette and just getting ready to lay down on the bench seat and try to get a couple hours sleep before continuing. Suddenly, I noticed that the interior of the cab was gradually getting lighter. Mind you, I am out in the middle of nowhere, parked on the exterior boundaries of a state park. Of course, I figured it was a car or vehicle of some kind. Damn, if it wasn't a vehicle of some type. The interior of the truck cab continued to get brighter, seemingly from behind, but I could not see a vehicle on the road behind me. The lights got so bright it was kind of freaking me out a little bit. I look out the passenger window and could see some kind of multicolored lights on what appeared to be some type of flying saucer. I could see the whole thing. But it was slowly moving over a hill south of me with an approach that seemed to be coming towards me. I could not take the suspense. This was the moment when I realized whatever was this was, it was a lot more powerful than I was. I got out of the truck and stood between the truck trailer and watched this thing approach me. I made such an effort to hear something as it came closer, but I heard not a sound, not a single sound, no wildlife, no bugs, no flying saucer, but I could see it. It was not shining a light on me. It was as this was illuminating the darkness. It continued to move slowly, not varying its speed. The object appeared to be huge. My perception was that it was roughly 200 feet across. I walked to the back of the trailer, giving up my false refuge because I couldn't believe what I was seeing. The object continued north, went over the next hill, seemingly flew just over the treetops. When the lights faded, I got back in the truck and locked the doors. I played the radio for about five minutes to help myself calm down. I decided I really was exhausted, even though I had just witnessed an amazing thing. I turned off the radio, double-checked the door locks, and fell asleep. The next morning, about 4.30 a.m., I woke up and thought about what I saw. I actually tried to rationalize that I did not see what I thought I did. I went to start the truck, and the battery was dead. Last night, I only ran the radio for about five minutes before I turned it off. As luck would have it, I parked on a slight incline, so I popped the double clutch, and it started right up. Just a coincidence, I thought. I found the entrance to the park further down the road on the right and made a wide U-turn to get back on I-65 North. Hours later, I had picked up a station from Lima, Ohio that said there had been multiple UFO sightings the night before. 
They even gave out a phone number to call if you had seen it. It was probably just their number they were giving out, not an official number. But it was just exciting that somebody had seen something last evening and they were describing similar sightings. I know these areas are 250 miles apart, but it seemed to give my version credibility again. I know it was a UFO because I could not identify it, nor have I seen anything like it since. I told the story a lot at first, but based on the looks people give you, I very rarely tell them anymore. But it was just exciting that somebody had seen something last evening. Jeez. When did this happen again? 1988, June 30th, 1988. So based on where he is describing, like coming out of E-Town, sees a sign for a state park, just, you know, well south of Louisville, I'm thinking Bernheim. Oh, yeah, it would have to be if it's if it's between Louisville and E-Town. It's gotta just be off of I-65, it's got to yeah. be Bernheim. Man, and then hitting stuff in Lima... You know, Lima's not very far from Toledo, where I grew up, where I would have been at that time. It's interesting because I'm trying to... Did it say what date or just the year? So it was June 30th, 1988. June 30th, because... But, but he, he, does, he does say earlier in the... Before the sighting actually begins that the date is approximate. Right. Well, because remember, I've told my story about when I was a kid, 4th of July... You know, I saw something, um, and that very well could have been 1988, because I would have been nine. I would have been young enough. That would have been really weird if it was, like, that same week. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm I'm totally stretching here, but, I mean, yeah. it, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Like, yeah. Man, that was crazy. <laughs> like, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of those. It's, like, I go back and I read all these sighting reports, uh, from, um, you know, probably before like the two thousands and they're just more, they're more detailed. Like, I don't know if like the UFO craft were just more interested in us then, or I don't know what the difference was, but like today's sighting is, you know, nine times out of 10, I see lights moving across the sky. Right. This is an actual craft, and there are a lot of sightings that happened back in the sixties, seventies, and eighties. I mean, it could also were, be the generations too. I mean, you know, the younger generations, and that includes us, are less readers and more watchers, and so they don't know how to describe things, you know, because you're not a heavy reader, and so reading teaches you description right you know you have everything has to be described and so you have a better eye on things um whereas now everything is just visual and so they're like it was orange it was triangle and it was in the sky and i synced it so um that may have something to do with it uh you know uh we also now texting and and emails and things like that is taught shorthand i mean it's it's quick it's faster it's short attention span so that may be part of it, but yeah, I, I completely understand, you know? Yeah. There was, so, I, I read a lot of the old sightings too. And yeah, they're far more detailed. Um, I don't know. It's crazy, but I do, I hate that. You know, he's like, I've told this so many times over the years and now I've had to put a stop to it because I'm tired yeah. of the way people look at me. Just so but sad. you know, um, I mean, I feel like, um, if this, you know, individuals still around and kicking, um, their story probably wouldn't fall on so many odd looks today. 
with, yeah. with everything that's going on. So Agreed. And again, uh, on a positive note, we've said that the younger generations, I really, you know, not any offense to any uh, boomer, baby boomers, but, you know, the Gen X and millennials and things like that, they're far more open to this stuff. Um, I, you know, I guess they didn't live in the really big dis- disinformation age from the 40s, you know, through the 90s. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like... I don't know, uh, but yeah, craziness, man. Um, good, good, good report. You set the bar and matched it, my friend. <laughs> matched it. Um, so, but anyways, we're gonna go ahead and uh, get it into our discussion on extraterrestrials. Um, so, stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, Stefan here. This episode is sponsored by the great folks over at Box Mountain. Box Mountain is a subscription box service that has my favorite sub box yet, the Cryptid Crate. You see, Josh got one of these for his birthday, and I was super jealous because it was packed full of merchandise pertaining to cryptids. The box he received first was all about the Flatwoods Monster, which of course is one of our favorites. And it had a t-shirt, a book, a patch, mug, and some awesome stickers. So I checked out the price to get one for myself, and let me tell you, it is well worth the value. These make excellent gifts for yourself or even friends that are cryptid lovers as well. Now, if you use the coupon code FEARSCAPE, you will get 25% off the first month for any new subscription or 10% off individual purchases. So go ahead and head on over to FearscapePodcast.com slash CryptidCrate now and get yourself one today. Hello, Blanket Huggers. Stefan here. On March 28th, 2021, Josh and I received a message through our website Submit a Sighting form from someone claiming to be Terry R. Wrist, the man referenced in Hell Here, and the man interviewed by Alan Greenfield in Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts. From there, we received a number of cryptic emails filled with information on places to search for answers to the larger mystery of the quest and journey Josh and I have been on. So we decided, fake or not, we should take it seriously, as much of the information given panned out and definitely opened our eyes to many new things. So we enlisted the help of Astral Stew co-host Santosh and Fearscape guest and Greenfield's publisher Olaf Phillips. Together the four of us have been digging deeper and deeper into not only the true identity of our source of paranormal gold, whether he is the Terry Wrist or not, but also into the mystery of the information given us. It has led us to some amazing doors into such things as the Secret Space Program, Hollow Earth, Darrow and Tarot, caves, underground bases, government cover-ups and conspiracies, and so much more. So if you would like to learn more about these emails, Terry's advice on where to look for more high strangeness, and our conversations and discoveries thus far, please become a monthly subscriber to our Patreon called Wristwatch at fearscapepodcast.com slash support or patreon.com slash fearscapepod. There you can get access to the emails themselves, the WhatsApp conversation about it all with Josh, myself, Santosh, and Olaf, and even any new clues that we have found. You can even join the investigation and add anything you have found to help us dive deeper into the mystery. You will also get access to other Fearscape-related things, such as extended interviews with guests not aired on the show, early access to Estes sessions with us and friends, and so much more. Wristwatch is a Patreon exclusive for our most dedicated fans. Join today and discover why the truth 
is now. All right, Josh, uh, I'm ready to talk ETs, man. Like, so I, you know, you threw this at me. And so I'm going to let you start the discussion, my friend, and just drop your knowledge and let's go from there. Okay. So one of the things in, 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 in the current state where we are with uh, Lou Elizondo and Christopher Mellon and all the things that are going on with the official you know, UAP report from, from the Pentagon and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff, UAPs are a hot topic in mainstream media right now. Um, there's not a, you know, I saw like Showtime is coming out with a series. Oh yeah, everybody and their mother's got a damn jumping on the bandwagon. So yeah, um, so one of the things I've been watching a lot of uh, documentaries lately about it. You know, I just watched one on Hulu the other night that was done by TMZ. Uh, talked to a couple different people. Christopher Mellon was in it. Lou was in it. But um, one of the things that I've been realizing and recognizing is that these people who are um, who have been touted as quote unquote credible witnesses over the last three or four years since all this kind of stuff started really you know ramping up again um, when you listen to their interviews of more recent they say words like I don't think it's I don't think it's outside of our realm of possibilities that these could be extraterrestrial craft but nobody's really talking about that. And I just think it's really profound that Christopher Mellon, right? So the TMZ uh, documentary talked about how the Mellons, you know, the actual family, the Mellons, like they've been around for, you yeah, know, Thornton years. Yeah, Mellon from Back to School, Rodney Dangerfield played him. No, these guys are like in the baking industry and yeah. all kinds of stuff. But, but anyway, so I mean, they, that's like it's a like big. Gar- it's like the Carnegie Mellons, right? Like the right. Carnegie and Mellons, they were yeah. really big. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, like Christopher Mellon doesn't need anything, right? Mm-hmm. He's set. He's he's good to go. He he'll never have a want ever again in his life. But he's going on record saying. You, we should be looking at extraterrestrials as a possibility. Yeah, I've noticed that. Mellon more than any of them. And Mellon was the one that I really thought would backpedal the most. And it's actually, and maybe again, this may be why they separated themselves from To the Stars as well. I mean, we really don't know at the end of the day why. So. Yeah. But I mean, I just think it's really interesting that um, again, these credible witnesses that have been really propped up um, in the industry of late are, are really willing to think about it and, and discuss the extraterrestrial piece. So I thought it would be maybe a point for us to talk about what are some of the theories that we've heard around, you know, us, we're going to, this next bit of discussion is going to assume that uh, you, the majority of unidentified craft, the, you know, so of the, of the 143 that are mentioned in the Pentagon report, mm-hmm that can't be identified, that all of those are under some level of intelligent control. What is the potential intelligences behind that? Right. And so since we're talking ETs, not UTs, I, you know, I want to say, I mean, this is the classic explanation that it is visitors from outside of earth, um, not dimensionally, 
but from outer space, another planet in another solar system. It used to be Venus or Mars, but we've moved further than that right. now right. Um, with those theories. So, Well, and, you know, one of the things that uh, a lot of people that are very um, objective in their thought process like to throw out is the physics mm-hmm. behind our understanding of physics means that a craft can't travel faster than light um there'd be no way for them you know why why would a why would an extraterrestrial race board a craft and travel 150 light years uh to our planet i know i've always hated this and i'm gonna say this is because we so first of all the first thought is is that they're more advanced than us right that is the very first thing that we say because they would have to be but then in the same breath we go but they're following the same physics that we use (laughs) like if they're more advanced that then can imply they figured out some shit that we ain't figured out yet well so why is that in the same breath well but also i think it's i think maybe it's something worth you know just because there may be some advanced physics that we don't yet understand doesn't mean that the physics we do understand go away right right we just we just don't have the level of understanding that these beings might have of those physics mm-hmm. um so it you know it, they can operate in our space uh, with our understanding of physics, but they can also operate in our space when, with a higher level of, under, you know, like the quick acceleration and 90 degree. Sure. I mean, just look, you know, just years ago, antimatter was a joke. There was, you know, now we're looking at it, right? We now, you know, Einstein and them said, hey, matter is energy, you know, and that's still debated, but we've got a lot more proof on that, that everything is made up of energy. And these are things that have changed just within the last, you know, like couple so, decades. So. I got a, I got a dad joke for you. Don't ever trust atoms because they make up everything. <laughs> Don't ever trust nuclear atoms because they always split. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so you know, one of the other things that I, um, and this is going to get very much on the. Uh, the theorized side of the house, but um, is that uh, the idea that some of these craft may be traveling um, in space time as opposed to just space, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, space time is you know the overlay of, of, of time and space, and so um, if that is true, then um, they're effectively time travelers. Because they have bended time to be able to leave in their space time and arrive 1300 light years away in our space time simultaneously. In order for that to happen, they are they are time travelers. Right. And well, and we know time is not as static as we once thought. I mean, we now know that near black holes and things like that, time can shift and change and things like that. And, And again, this is also assuming that they haven't developed some sort of wormhole system. Well, they may not even be from the Milky Way galaxy. I mean, we always just assume they're from another part of the Milky Way. They could have opened up a wormhole from another galaxy 
you know, into the Milky Way. I mean, we don't know. Or you take a look at things like, um, uh, I can never remember the name of it. It's that Hawaiian name, that giant asteroid, uh, Oro. Yeah, or, I know you're talking about it. It's like Oroboro or whatever it is. Um, it, very, very cigar shaped. Yes. And, you know, <laughs> we also assume that they've left their planet. Like we go, like we get up and go to the grocery store, right? That's kind of how theorists, right. like uh, skeptics, think about it. They could have been in space their whole life. Right. Like, we don't know. They could have moved completely away from their planet and have this giant mothership where yep. some of these they people just, have never seen their home planet ever. And, you know, and there's a lot of people who think that that asteroid was indeed a cloaked kind of mothership because yep. we had a lot of UFO flaps during that time. Um, you know, who knows? We, 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 yeah. We so, how do we, uh, that's why skeptics sometimes I have issues with it's like, how can you be so certain? on your skeptical side but I'm not allowed to be certain on the non-skeptical <laughs> yeah. side when there's no proof on either side on either side well you know and, and again I think you know we, we've said this a couple of times in past interviews with Kathleen Martin was like it was the most recent one where we used it where you know the, the magic of yesterday is the science of today and the mm-hmm. magic of today is the science of tomorrow but that's true I mean the, 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 the point is is that what we don't understand today about how these UFO and UAP interact we may understand sometime in the future. Um, the other thing that really kind of, uh, uh, as far as a reason why it's not an extraterrestrial, <clears throat> a lot of skeptics will say because of the physics involved, it's more likely that either A, they're already here, they've been here the whole time, mm-hmm. or B, they're interdimensional because then they don't have to travel through space and time. They just have to shift across a dimensional plane. Um, But again, this is just, in my opinion, that's just based on understanding the physics, these things are more likely. But again, it's our understanding of the physics. 150, 200 years ago, we knew nothing what we know now. What would we have decided then? What was the reason that they were coming then? Sure. Well, imagine this. I, I just thought up in my head. So what if they can dimensionally shift? right so they're in our dimension right now they're a hundred million light years away they are able to to shift to a dimension where earth is right next to them right and they are able to just go to the as far as the moon and then they shift again but through earth's perspective back to our dimension and so then they're at earth well, that's that's one of the theories that I right. So still, have, they're from yeah. outer space, but they used a right. dimensional shift as a travel agent. So, <laughs> so one of the things that that I've been that I've thought about before, and I think we've talked about it on one of our unhinged episodes, but um, is the idea that when they, which is basically what you just said, when they travel, they don't move the galaxy, space, the universe, whatever it moves mm-hmm. around them. Right. Just like, uh, what is it, Dune or whichever one of them where it's like space gets folded. Yeah. And so essentially it just, they don't go around. They go, it's just boom, boom. It's right there. It's like going through paper. Well, and I think that's basically the the premise behind wormholes is that it's a fold in space. But anyways, um, but yeah, so the idea that um, they could be extraterrestrials, um, you know, I, I do, I do. I do like the idea that um, they could, you know, be extraterrestrials that have, in fact, set up some sort of a, a base here on the planet. Mm-hmm. 
Sure. And are just coming to I and mean, fro. Again, I mean, look at all of the old Sumerian and Mayan yep. stuff. I, I mean, right there, we've got, you know, things so that's that kind not, of show that. That's not necessarily ultra-terrestrial. Ultra-terrestrial, of course, being that there's another species that originated on Earth that's a right. lot older than humans. This is actually extraterrestrial that just set up a base here sometime in the past. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of, we see them taxiing back and forth. So Yeah, exactly. Um, or so, all, or all. You know, well, yeah, that's that's the other thing too. Is that you know we've talked about this before too. I mean, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be extraterrestrials that are brand new, never been here before. We're a pit stop along the way to you know the Andromeda galaxy, right? Um, you know, we're the, one of the only planets along the way that has water, so they stop here to get water. Right. Um, or, or you know, there's they've got a base set up, and there's ultra terrestrials, and there's interdimensional beings, and there's vampires, so. right? And it's like you know, um, you know, other skeptics will also say that everyone's ideas of of extraterrestrials or aliens are based off of popular culture, you know, starting with H.G. Wells in terms of the Greys, you know, and moving from there, and then we start to see those things. And I'm just like, okay, well, what if the you know we brought this up a million times about the uh, the natives seeing uh, Columbus's ships for the first time, they couldn't understand what they were seeing. And so they either saw nothing or their eyes saw it as something that made sense to them. And uh, that's okay. What if that's what happens here too? It's like, I, I can't, I can't understand what I saw, but I know I saw fire in the sky and I had a similar experience mm-hmm. in terms of being in a, 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 an operating room and things like that. And so that's my brain's going to allow itself to see it that way. Right. I mean, that still doesn't say there weren't extraterrestrials. It just right. says its brain is, is pulling upon images that well, to try to make understanding of what it saw. What and, and we, and we've talked about this before too. If, 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 um, uh, media, movies tv so on and forth so forth has been used over the years to um you know as a slow trickle disclosure agent you know to to um to broaden our minds to think about these kind of things to be able to be able to accept you know shapes and sizes of this type then maybe the influence of the creators of such a of such a show or a tv or whatever a drawing was done by extraterrestrial right you know, so, you know, that, you know, it's the whole argument of what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? So what came first, the thought of the gray or the actual gray? Right. I mean, for example, I mean, H.G. Wells, what if he came up with that story because he had a dream that he was in this cave, you know, or whatever he could explain it as and this gray creature? Because remember, he didn't call them aliens at first. He said yep. it was just like some sort of proto-human or something and that's what he thought he saw right and then he maybe had another experience and realized holy shit this thing came from outer space and that's why he changed it up i mean we don't know we yeah. don't know that doesn't that, that like i just i can't discount things just you know, one of, of that. <clears throat> well one of the things that that i really like i sat down and i thought about today is um all of the paranormal stuff that we talk about on the show has always been lumped together. UFOs is definitely one of those things. Mm-hmm. If we now have governments across the, across the world, including the United States saying, yes, UFOs are real. Does that give additional credence to at least the possibility that everything else in the paranormal space is also real? 
I don't, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the, and the reason I say I don't know is because they left so much ambiguous. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if they had said, hey, we think that there's a possibility of extraterrestrials, I would say yes, but they never did. They just said other. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you want to play the other side of things, other can mean everything. I mean, it could mean li- it's a catch-all. So it literally right. can mean anything. So yes, from our POV, absolutely. Uh, I mean, if we do, you know, like most of the community really is is coming together on this and that it is all related, starting to see way more about that, um, which just finished um, the uh, missing hunters 411 yeah um, the second one of the missing 411 um, which I really liked even better they talk about that on there because you know the first missing 411 really kind of stayed away as much from the paranormal as they could while still hinting at it missing hunters 411 finally just kind of goes here's here's what people think <laughs> and that it's all related and so um yeah i think it does kind of give credence to um everything else why not uh, you know especially if time is not a factor i mean you know we can look at some of these monsters why why couldn't we're finding species all the time that supposedly died out right hundred thousand years ago all of a sudden we're finding them again um like that uh the dinosaur fish um that now they're finding a huge like mass of them um and they were thought extinct you know it's like why not Uh, you know who knows you've got an underwater dinosaur that stays deep i mean that's what these fish were they hide in these caves that's why people didn't see them they literally hide in these caves and only come out to feed and it's real brief and then they go back into their caves like that i was listening to npr about it and so why could not nessie or something like that comes up just to maybe get air or to just you know do this i mean we don't we don't know we we have to stop assuming that our science is finite well you know one of the talking about nessie now it's kind of a rarely seen or you know has you know like look at every other animal uh, every other animal goes through a migratory period for for mate for mating mm-hmm. purposes. So maybe Nessie does live in an underwater lake or or something that has yeah. its own air, and it only comes out in the lock when it's mating season. Well, I mean, so many of those uh, locks, not all of them were just made because of the glaciers melting some of them are spring fed coming from underneath we don't know they have not mapped the entire because it's so damn deep right Uh, same thing with the you know the marianas trench and all that stuff it's like there's so much unmapped stuff we have no idea what kind of systems exist we i I read somewhere that we we have mapped one percent of the ocean floor. yeah one percent i saw that as well one freaking percent so I mean, what are we if... gonna find? And are there <laughs> underground like cavern tunnel systems? Yeah. Is there hollow earth down there? I mean, it's yeah. like we don't uh, know. I think what's another... the furthest we've ever drilled down is like what eight miles or something like that. Yeah, and that's nothing. That's nothing in the <laughs> size doesn't of the even earth. Break the top crust, like. So I mean, yeah, I mean it's the the what we it's it's almost a little um, disheartening the fact that we spend so much money uh trying to explore outside of the earth when we haven't really even explored what's on the earth or in the earth or under the earth or whatever the type you know description you want to use but um but you know there's a there's the whole idea of uh 
UAP is Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, but there's also uh, another for UAP, which is Unidentified Aquatic Phenomenon. And there's a whole uh, other sighting list that's like, and and a lot of people uh, think that that's why the Navy uh, got the initial task force assignment is because a lot of these craft that the Navy have seen uh, go into the water and then come out of the water. And so, yep. And have been seen on the water, you know, and things like that. So 100%. And, you know, if we talk about bases, where are these bases if they've been here this whole time? Well, guess where we've only uh, mapped 1% 1 of. (laughs) Time to get Sequest out, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that's, that's, you know, one of my favorite movies is the abyss for that same purpose. I love the abyss. I love Um, the abyss. And and if, and if anything that the abyss uh, tells you or shows you is that they were scared, but there was no reason to be scared. Yeah. Um, and, and so that the, you can breathe an amniotic fluid. Well, yes, you did that as a baby. That's what they told you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, but if that if that's true, <laughs> then why do I take a drink of water and choke on it? Because it's not amniotic fluid. Okay. It's different. So if I if I drink maple syrup, I'd be okay. Nope, that's that's no. maple syrup. It's not amniotic okay. fluid. <laughs> now, if you put some amniotic fluid in fluid. your maple syrup, maybe that would be weird. Yeah, if you were I mean, eating. amniotic fluid's already weird, man. Like, <laughs> anyways, we're getting like you know off topic, but um, so I wanted to bring up, um, uh, move away from the disclosure aspect of it all. And talk about uh, contactees and, and things like that over the past hundred years. There, there, there are. Uh, I think there's something like they say there's something like seven common races out there that that many people have say they've seen. We've got the reptiles, of course. The Silurians are. Um, yeah. I know that that's Doctor Who, but you know you've got the the blondes, which a lot of people say that's where the Viking um, religion comes from. Um, you've got your greys and your hairy bees. Beasts, uh, and some other things. I don't know what they all are. <laughs> yeah, you got your. Did you say the Centurions? No. So there, there's the the Centurions, Centurions or whatever is the the like the blue uh, blue faced kind of. You know, they're always predicted or predicted depicted as having like a a glow or an aura right. around them. They're they're supposed to be like uh, very high evolved beings that are here to kind of help guide us and direct us. Um, They're the watchers from Marvel. <laughs> yeah. And then you, so I've actually got a, I got a little map here. Uh, we got, so you got the Alpha Centauri aliens, which very much look humanoid, except they have bigger eyes and a, and a bigger uh, head. Then you have the Andromedino, Andromedano. They also look very humanoid, but they have bald heads. Then you have the Octoriano. That kind of looks like a the alien from um, uh, shoot. What's that movie with Charlie Sheen where they're trying to global warm the planet? Uh, it's not contact. Uh, arrival. Arrival. Yeah. Yep. And then you got the uh, Larianos, which very look very humanoid. Um, the Sirianos. Um, which is actually three different races, the Syrianos, and that includes, they have actually ones that look like the blondes. 
the Palladians, uh, very, very humanoid looking. What's really interesting about all these is that most of them look just like people. I mean, there's there's a handful that are, you know, if you saw them on the street, you're like, that's not right. But most of them just look like everyday people that you might see on the street. Right. So and then you but, got the Flatwoods monster. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's the other thing is, you know, um, and that's and that's where it gets more into the, you know, what I was talking about before is how much of the stuff is extraterrestrial versus how much the stuff is actually here and has always been here. Uh, kind of like when we talked about with Ward Heine, um, you know, the things that our ancestors you know, they, they would take offerings into the woods for the fey folk. And we just today, if somebody says that you're doing that, they would, you know, lock you up or something. You'd lose your job if you posted about it on social media. So yeah. it's just uh, how much of that of that stuff, you know, so people sometimes will make the argument that the fey folk were probably extraterrestrial. Sure. But they, but they don't have to be. They could actually be fey folk that have always lived on the earth or in the earth and we just don't ever interact with them because we're savage or whatever well the and then there's that whole um my brain is dead I, I heard about it on npr of course as well um about this like very isolated culture or this tribe that was like a hundred years more advanced than everything when they went back and looked and they worshiped the dog star and things like that and said that these these their gods came down from orion um or whatever and taught them how to do all of this stuff i wish i could remember what that was are, are these the people that lived in kentucky and virginia no 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 this was like a uh like an uh south american or african culture or oh. something well, because there's there's also the and, Dogons. That's what it is. Dogon. It's okay, the Dogon yeah. people. That's oh, a yeah, serious the mystery. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. These are real people. It was in like uh, West Africa in the region of Mali, kind of near Niger and things like that in the Congo. And yeah, they found the Dogons, which, you know, comes off of the dog star and things like that, that they had all this stuff that they should not have had at the time that they had it and the art i mean it shows star systems that they should not have been able to see with the naked eye um that's 100 accurate um all kinds of crazy stuff dude like if you want to dig deep listeners take a look at the dogon culture and you will be blown away um yeah. at the stuff that they it's, it's insane and I can't think of what this is called. I, I know that I called it out uh, to you and Santosh uh, several months ago, but there's this group of people that there's a so is it the after, green, the Kentucky green, or the 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 kids, something that fell in the. Am I no, something different? No, that's something else. So this is like in the early settlement days, um, there were a group of they uh, they called them. Um, uh, European settlers, but they noted them as having olive skin and pointy facial features, um, which sounds a lot like the men in black and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But they were described, they were notated as like an early settlement that they didn't know were there in an area of the country that had not yet been explored. And they had been there and had advanced technology and, and had lived there for a hundred plus years. There were there were like stories among the Native American tribes in the area of their dealings with these people going back centuries. But yet there were a group of settlers from the European area with again with these kind of facial features that 
we read about, uh, you know, in Keel's books and others that had been in the, in the United States or, the, you know, North America uh, for a period of time. I mean, I want to say it was like around Virginia or Kentucky or West Virginia, some, somewhere in the Appalachia area uh, that all this happened. But again, I can't think of the name of the people or anything. Like I said, I, I, I messaged it to you in Santosh months ago, but, <laughs> uh, but, but I can't find it now when I'm talking about it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, and, and there's, there's not a lot, in, there's not a lot known about it because once the actual, you know, European settlers came in, they pretty much just kind of disappeared, you know, um, we you know, integrated back you, into the, you know, makes whatever. you wonder if they are part of the reason why we've got that, that rare blood disorder that makes the skin blue that happened in Kentucky, the Fugate family, huh. you know, maybe that had something to do with it. The, you know, cause that's what I always think of as the blue people of Kentucky. Um, but I know that's not what you're referencing um, no, this was this was something else. And like I said, I remember reading about it and immediately thinking MIB because of the way that the people were described. Yeah. So, but I mean, the point in all of this is, is that there's all these things that um, all these stories and accounts um, going back hundreds of years for all these findings, uh, that, you know, like we've said it before, this is not a new uh, this is not new to 2020 or 2021 or even 2017. Um, this has been going on for hundreds, if not thousands, of years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one one of the things that I that I in, in whether you like him or not, uh, Jeremy Corbell has brought a lot of uh, attention uh, to the UFO UAP ET topic over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the TMZ uh, documentary that I was watching the other day, he was talking about a warehouse uh, that was established to house extraterrestrial craft and extraterrestrial uh, individuals. So that was um, they asked some kind of question like, um, are, are you saying that you know that there are ETs that we that the government, you know, United States have ETs? And it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I know it. I know they have it. And then they cut away to asking Lou Elizondo about it. And Lou says, yes, there are warehouses, but I can't talk about it any more than that. (laughs) And then later you got uh, Corbell and and George Knapp are sitting on the couch talking to the guy. And and Corbell says, look, we have we're sitting on a mountain of information that will blow this wide open. But we're trying to figure out how to give it out to people that doesn't breach security clearance. So, yeah. If you haven't watched that, that TMZ when it's, it's I on Hulu, it's, it's really, you. it's really good. It's only like 45 minutes long, but I'm going to check it out tomorrow, <laughs> <laughs> but it's really good. But I mean, it's you like know, the one time I'm excited to watch TMZ because <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, they're going to do some shit you ain't supposed to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what we need is like we need the Maury Povich version of the, <laughs> of the uh, UAP disclosure report. Oh, you know, that's funny. We we gave you a, a lie detector test and um, it said that you are the father of this extraterrestrial uh, that you have refused to pay child support for so <laughs> is it um <laughs> the the closest thing i can find is this thing called melungeons is it the melungeons 
That sounds that like familiar? it. That sounds like it. How do you spell that? Uh, M-E-L-U-N-G-E-O-N. Melungeons says uh, the Melungeons yep, were associated. Okay, because this says is a term for numerous groups of people in the southeastern United States who descend from European and sub-Saharan African settlers. Yeah, but if you so if you do some digging into yeah, this yeah, part, yeah. where it came from. Um, that's where, so there's an article here from NPR, so you'll read it. Um, but <laughs> love NPR, <laughs> but it's like, it's so the mystery, there's one on here, family tree, the lost tribe of Appalachia, um, <clears throat> that says that, so they, they have, you know, doing D they found some DNA and did some DNA tests and, and found that they did actually have a lot of European and, and South, Af- South African and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, heritage, but the fact that they were living um, you know, as this tribe of people in the continent before anybody else had really gotten to that part of the continent. So, yeah, what's funny? Well, it's not funny. Um, but one of the reasons this went away was because people started using the term to essentially just mean any multiracial families and stuff. So it kind of got mixed in with that, which is kind of what happened. But there is a Melungeon DNA project that um, is happening still. Um, uh, what was I going to say here? Oh, there, of course, are some people that believe they were also the lost tribe of Israel. (laughs) You know, so there's that. Um, interesting. Yeah, I definitely would like to dig into that. Oh, here we go. Here's some legends and stuff. Yeah, we we should cover this. I think (laughs) uncover. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, well, there you go. There's there's another thing we can talk about. You know, you want to talk about Lost Tribe of Israel, which really gets us even into Mormonism and things like that. It's like, what what about the angels? I mean, are angels aliens, right? It's like, were they extraterrestrials that came down to kind of share knowledge and we kind of put our own idea of what they really looked like? If all well, I mean, right flash of light. Well, I mean, if you, if you look at um, the way that we have typically as a people approached um, things that are different from us, we either fear them or we praise them. Right. So, you know, um, if, if you're a, if you're a woman in the uh, 1600s and you know how to do math, you're a witch. But if you're a man in the 800s and you know how to, you know, talk to fish, then you must be, you know, an angel or a God or whatever the case may be. So, yeah. um, you know, it's just, yeah, or if you if you um, get messages from God, um, but you're not a Christian, you're you know your multiple personality disorders or or uh, schizophrenic or whatever. But yeah. if you get it from God and you're a Christian, you're a prophet. You're a prophet. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I totally know what you mean by that. Um, but you know, so you you think about though all the different uh, contextual things that we apply, and I and that's why I think it's it's important to really sit down. And don't just read a story at face value, but read a story. Look at the the the, the like the purpose of doing this has a name, and I can't think of what it's called. Um, but you know, look at the time it was written, or the time that it was you know said to have been originally told. What was the social culture like at that time? What was mm-hmm. going on in the world? You know, are there any things that were happening that could have? come over or translated over or applied to the story that today doesn't really make any sense but at the time because of what was going on socially um that it would have meant something different or it would have been read or interpreted a different way 
Well, and like, think about it, like going back to the Melungeons, it's like, think about, um, you know, Keel talking about all the men in black stuff happening in West Virginia and Kentucky, which is where these folks were. So to go back to your theory about right. them being olive skinned and sharp eyed and, and things like that, it's like, here's a perfect example. I mean, they were already there, right? right? It's like they could have already, and they they were the men in black or or bred to be, I mean, we, we have no idea. There's so much, it's like, it's it's like there's so many answers that I want, but much like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, sometimes I don't know the question to ask. Yeah, well, and and that's um, one, you know, crap. I just lost my train of thought. Oh, this this afternoon, um, I was thinking because you know I, I, I've been having a little bit of conversation back and forth with the individual claiming to be Terry Wrist, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so I was I was thinking about it today, and I was like, you know, um. You know what's the what's the probability that he really is somebody who could pass along this level of information about what's going on in the world, and then I, I, I'm then you know I, I just ask myself the question you know, but what if I mean there there are whistleblowers every day in every aspect of life, um, why can't there be a whistleblower for an underground um, you know UAP experiment or, or Daryl Daryl like, thing. I feel like there has been though. That's the thing. There has been whistleblowers, but the problem is the subject is so taboo right. that they are just seen as crazy. I mean, look at, I mean, Dr. Stephen Greer had a whole summit filled with whistleblowers right. from the government and it did nothing. You know what I mean? It's like these whistleblowers have been out there and they have said they're at every yeah. goddamn UFO convention that's out there and have been from the Stanton Friedman. I mean, all these different folks, they're there, you know, but yeah. they're not being believed and they're and, not being listened to. Right. Yeah. Because the disinformation campaign that the the government around the world really has put out there. And much like the UAP sighting we had tonight, the guy even said I had to stop because I yep. was tired of people looking at me like I was crazy. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I I have like I like I told you, I've, I've pretty much resolved to say that uh, whether or not this person who you know is talking to us, this person claiming to be a terrorist or is terrorist, um, whether or not uh, they are who they say they are, they're still passing along very credible information right and it and it behooves us to listen to it right I, i'm gonna share a little bit with you right now a little palette wetter again uh to get you a little interested in joining wristwatch on our patreon but recently uh he gave us a clue as to what the grays aliens are which was very interesting yeah. and kind of sounds pretty legit if you're following along the same train as us um gave us some really interesting clues about not only gray aliens but underground bases kind of falling along the lines of uh uh philip uh what's his name from the dolce uh yeah from the dolce uh documentary that's out there it talks about the guy that went underground there and fought had to fight a bunch of gray aliens yeah um you know uh uh, the man uh, the man claiming to be Terry Wrist. I'm just going to call him T-Dub. T-Dub, 
gave us some information on that and it's it's very interesting and and he seems to kind of have some sort of insider information if this is legit so uh again not to just wet your palate but if you want to know more because we don't you know some of this stuff is pretty Still heavy. <laughs> and so it's like you know make sure to get on to our patreon and yeah. uh you, you know if you just want the wristwatch stuff join that you know but some really cool stuff but, i mean uh, yeah Phil Phil Schneider. Yeah, Phil Schneider. That's his name. Yeah, Phil Schneider. And he talks about that and talks about potential origin of the gray aliens, um, uh, which he just calls the grays, not aliens, you know, and kind of refers to them possibly more um, UT than ET, but still very, very interesting. Um, Yeah, so... And, and just look at all of the stuff. I mean, I'm, I, I know it, it almost sounds like we're ranting on a soapbox, but I mean, you know, like back in the day when Brad and I covered night hags, I mean, we covered night hags in like 50 different country cultures and how similar they all were. Well, it's like, what if, you know, what if those are ETs? You know, it's like, what if those are things and or, they don't know how to put it? So they kind of base it off of their mythology or, or, or they or they are legitimately some sort of shadow people. Sure. I mean, and what if shadow people? I mean, it's like, I, I, again, this brings the whole conversation back right. around to is it all related? You know, I mean, we're looking at we just talked about what seven different races of aliens of the Galactic Federation, you know, and one of them's like a hairy one. What is that Sasquatch? Right. Yeah. It's like, are they? I mean, you know, there was uh, in missing 411. My God, there's a moment where they're in the 70s. They recorded what they are pretty sure was Sasquatch talking to one another in these human they're definitely different than ours, but very human voice. It was this garbled gibberish. Uh, and then these loud screams and things like that. And the, the, the hunters screamed back and it was like a call and response and some different things like that. And that, um, that recording had been analyzed and it showed that it did not come from a human voice um, and things like that. It's like, what is it? <laughs> you know? Well, you know, that's, <laughs> that's something that I've been kind of toying with is, um, you know, everybody's going out and setting up cameras. I mean, I go out with my night vision camera you know, all the time and look at this kind of stuff. But I wonder if I just like set up a microphone outside one night mm-hmm. and just let it record all night long and then just go back and listen and see what it catches. It'll probably be a lot of tree frogs and stuff, but still there might be other things that it catches that. You well, know, you just imagine know. doing so in the winter as well when there yeah. are less insects and creatures out there because Sasquatch don't care if it's cold. No. Jersey Devil cares, but Sasquatch <laughs> doesn't care. Well, because the Jersey Devil doesn't have a lot of fur. No, no. He, and, you know, just because he's from Jersey don't mean he's living in the forest. Like, right. like he's, actually, well, he's, he's actually visiting his family right now, and it's like he acts like it's like, the godfather you know what i mean <laughs> it's like well this- I mean, he's he's got bat wings and they don't really have a lot of fur on them either Mm-mm. so so i mean caves are 57 degrees at all times right so, you know i don't know um but yeah i mean look 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 at pop culture look at at our fascination um it's interesting that everything has been on the uaps and everyone's scared to talk about et's except for dr greer it's interesting though and again this is almost like a gateway drug because the popular 
fascination, the pop culture there is not the fascination with UFOs. It is fascination with the ETs that could be potentially driving it. Um, And so this may be allowing us to dip our toes in the water, right? It's like, here, here are some UAPs. The government is saying, hey, we don't know what it is. Um, more than likely it's, it's, it's in this catch all because we don't know, but we don't think that it's other countries because this is far too advanced technology. So it's like, you know, and then maybe in two, three years when we're doing all, seeing all these UAP documentaries and lights in the skies and all these different things, they can say, here's an alien. We go, Oh, I guess that was the logical next step. Well, I mean, and that's what I've said, actually, you know, we said, talked about it a year ago was, are they going to use disclosure official disclosure from the government and then like to the stars and all these other places are going to do all these mass documentaries they're going to roll out and that's going to basically you know so so the official from the government gets the media talking about it then you have showtime and hbo and everybody else jumping on the bandwagon and doing all these shows documentaries so that gets everybody else who before would have never glanced an eye at the topic now they're now they're watching stuff Mm -hmm. so it's a way to again trickle disclosure in a way that prepares the mind to be able to accept things that may be coming exactly so again it'll be interesting what comes out over the next few years about these uaps because now we've got the government or the the people's interest around the world it's not just the united states around the world the governments are coming clean and and saying hey we're really looking into this and we're going to share some of this with the public and i think we're going to start to see more of a share just like you said to get us used to seeing technology and i think we're going to find i think just like we said that some of the sci-fi movies we've seen already have that technology and it, it got us prepared for it. Yeah. Um, and and then eventual disclosure about ETs. And I, if we if we follow along the lines of Majestic 12 and things like that, they're already integrated. They're already here. Oh, yeah. They're already a part of government. They're already you, a part of this and that. And I mean, really, if you go back and look at the Brookings report, mm-hmm. this is falling in line with what their recommendation was. Yeah of how to how to gradually bring society up to speed and willing to accept that we're not alone. Yeah. And I I think it I think it took an interconnected world with the internet and cell phones and tablets and things like that for information to move at such a fast pace. It makes acceptance of things happen very quickly if this had happened in the 70s or 60s i mean you had tv but not everybody had tv things like that it would have taken a while to get through magazines or newspapers i mean just like keel said it was so difficult to find because not everything got picked up by national news and there were multiple ufo stories and things like that that got just tossed aside because no one knew it happened in this small town newspaper because it wasn't like you could google search right so yeah you had to so, you know, yeah, somebody, now we're all interconnected had, yeah, so we can all talk to, about it immediately right share it. Had, you know back in the day somebody had to clip it and send it to you but now it shows up in your facebook feed so yep. um you know something i was thinking about in and, and i don't want to this is very conspiracy theorist so i don't want to necessarily go down this path but i'll mention it there's a book i read it about two years ago i can't remember the, the title right now but it basically talks about um, humanity is is spreading out into the galaxy, 
And what they have established is, is basically they go and they find planets that have some sort of a primate species on the planet. And then they drop um, a virus onto the planet that forces the primate species to evolve into humanoids. And that's how they seed humanity out into the galaxy. It's not actually taking humans and put them on, on the planet. It's starting a brand new humanity column colony on the planet using primates that are already on the planet. Right, and even then you can get into split-offs of those humanities like Neanderthals and things like that that just couldn't hang. So this, by the way, this is a fiction book. This is not a uh, but but one of the one of the things that happens is there's a group of group of humans that thinks that it's wrong and so they attack the ship and they uh, basically blow it up but in the process one of the scientists is able to get one of the vials onto this planet that happens to be inhabited by spiders. Nope. <laughs> so, nope. So um, the spiders evolve into nope. these very, uh, very large and sentient spiders. Oh, that's like um, that Life After Humans TV show that was on. And yeah. they showed like a spiders evolved into flying. And I'm like, no. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so, so, to, so to cut it short without having to give away the whole thing of the book, um, the people, actual humans, have to take refuge on the planet. And when they land, they're surrounded by these giant, you know, dog-sized spiders. And so they're freaking out because humanity is afraid of spiders. But they realize that um, the spiders pass their knowledge through uh, pheromone. And so when the people actually receive the pheromone, hmm. they understand that the spiders are not dangerous. And we've talked about this before. I'm having deja have. vu. So. We have. And then they, they end up in the end of the book. They end up going off on a on a journey together, both humans and spiders, on a on a spaceship to explore the galaxy. Well, I mean, you look at us. I mean, you know, we look like predators, right? <laughs> so it's yeah. like this. So, so my point in saying all of that is 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 there things that are happening today um, at a biological level that is some way, shape, or form gearing us up for? contact in a way that will better understand i mean it, it is i mean because of texting and messaging and things like that we are able to think and process so much quicker than we used to which is again why the short attention span and things like that because we process i mean look at uh, improv training i mean my uh, everything i do is to teach you how to think respond and react as quick as possible um, without thinking and uh, I mean, you've seen me do improv. It's like I can do a whole thing and never know what a word is coming out of my mouth. How is that possible? Right. It's like, were they able to do that 100 years ago? It's like, who knows? We don't we don't know. Um, But uh, what was I going to say? There was something um, I was talking about biologically preparing us. And you're talking about improv and being superhuman at improv. Yeah, no, you were talking about the spiders when I was (laughs) Spires oh. <laughs> really threw me off, man. Yeah, sorry. Um, but, but anyways, yeah, I mean, I... Um, oh, I know what I was going to say is um, the, you know, almost, almost every religion talks about their gods existing above the sky. 
right? Even the Native Americans have the sky people. You know, God created the heavens and the earths and the heavens were above the sky. Everything was above the sky, right? Yeah. These gods, uh, the Hindu gods came down in these aircrafts and, and floated down and things like that. Why? Why is that? Is that because something came down from outer space, right? Yeah. And 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 cre- helped create humanity or helped move humanity along out of the primate stage into the uh you know human stage right yeah it's just it's just odd that all around the world all these gods come from the sky (laughs) all around the world same song yeah all around the world different cultures (laughs) that never never saw each other right yeah these gods come from the sky right well you know they, they talk about that a lot in that in the ancient aliens Right, uh, ancient, you know, astronaut theory is that, you know, we got these these cultures like in South America, and you got a similar culture in, in the Middle East, and they have similar depictions of of deities and in in representation, all that kind of stuff. But they were separated, and seemingly never came into contact with each other. But yet somehow, they have similarities between their cultures. Right, so. and then then it makes you wonder. It's like, well, did all of this? happened during the spawning from Africa and those things got carried with each yeah. tribe that went in its separate direction, you know, or, or are we old enough to be, have lived on Pangea? Yeah. And then, and then as the continents drifted apart, we evolved or devolved or whatever the case may be and, or lost our civilization and had to rebuild it. And so, yeah. Yeah. And obviously bone does not live forever. Um, even fossils aren't technically bones, right? And it's like, but if every single dinosaur that existed had fossils out there, it'd be insane. And I think the same could be said about humans. I mean, we don't know what happened. We don't know we we have yeah. theories and, and things like that. But well, we keep I mean, finding more and more cultures that were more ahead of what we thought all yeah. the time, the more digging we do. And you know that you're you're assuming that an agriculture advanced enough would have used steel or aluminum, but that may not have been the case. I mean, yeah, we said have... that with Santosh could have been some sort of bio, right, degradable thing. We, we so have no idea. Yeah. So, anyways, um, have we uh, have we killed the extraterrestrial? Topic? I think we've exhausted it. Yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, I could talk to you forever about this, especially if we had a few drinks with us, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I do, I do, uh, I, I could, like I said, we, we talk about this stuff all the time and we wanted to share some of our thoughts with you guys, um, about this as well. And please feel free to share your thoughts and theories too. I mean, we are not finite in our thinking i mean it is ever evolving god if you could take a look at us two years ago and see where we are now night and day um i'm always looking for answers i constantly wear a question mark on my brain always and so i'm always open and so please yeah if you have ideas and thoughts and uh ideas let us know um but i do want to uh roll on and uh move on to wrap things up here uh but before we do that of course i want to just quickly say we mentioned it briefly with wristwatch um but we do have uh some amazing trips coming up that we're trying to do um especially like we talked about in wristwatch some of you guys know uh terry wrist has given us some locations that we really would like to go to in fact this last email he sent us he's kind of yelled at 
us for not going yeah, yet. For not going. Um, so. But these things are not free and we are not rich. And so part of your uh, Patreon assistance kind of helps us make those journeys. Um, and we, of course, document things and we do stuff. Uh, it's we very much would love the help with that so uh, join our patreon we have the blanket huggers fearscape patreon um you can join there's different levels one of them is wristwatch but you do not have to be a part of wristwatch there's levels without it um ranging i think what from like one dollar to like one dollar to, to 15 one dollars to 15 so we're not even like you know those people are like our thousand dollar level we'll give you skin flakes off of our chin like whatever we're not i got 15 you know 15s as 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 deep as go you can always give more if you want to that's great too um but yeah please join our patreon there's lots of cool stuff on there um and we're always adding more stuff constantly um especially in wristwatch because that is heavy for us um and soon hopefully soon sometime down the road we can start premiering things early on patreon and, and things like that um we are still growing it so bear with us yep. um but that is uh fearscapepodcast.com slash support or patreon.com slash fearscape pod uh you can also support us by going to our store on our facebook page and uh, picking up stickers you guys have been getting a lot of our stickers yeah i love that we don't just have fearscape stuff we got all kinds of weird shit the national cryptid society has been like one of our best sellers uh we love that sticker it's fun there's t-shirts and of course the other podcasts as well on the fearscape media network fearscapemedia.com all right so now that i'm off my soapbox josh i want to get into our encounter from the fearscape So, uh, you actually solicited this bad boy. Uh, this comes from someone named Jillian Millard. Um, I don't recall where do you, do you recall where Jillian's from? She's lives in a New York area, New York. That's right. I, I thought I had, uh, written it down in here, but I did not. So thank you for sharing that. Um, but yeah, we love your encounters from the fearscape. If you've had any encounter of any kind with something unexplained, um, something unpredictable, something strange, something weird, high strangeness, aliens, cryptids, uh, your mom talking in a deep demon voice. Let I us mean, know. You know, you get, if you get mail on Sunday, we'll, we'll, we'll want to know about that we'll, too. Yeah. We'll read it, man. Uh, but anyways, this comes from Jillian uh, Millard here from the New York area, and uh, this is a wonderful story, so take a listen. I want to tell this story that I rarely speak about. You see, being ridiculed by just about everyone you've ever told tends to train you quick in just not speaking of it. But when I was eight or nine years old in the mid-1980s, my mother came busting into my room in the middle of the night screaming, they're going to get us! I had a friend from around the block staying the night, and my two sisters were there as well. My first thought, for whatever reason, was that the cops were coming to get us. Don't ask me why. She herded us all downstairs where the television was making a weird whirring sound in and out. My mother wanted me to call my friend's mother, but the phone was making the same sound and we couldn't get through. She then told us she was walking home from my friend's house. My mother and her mother were really close friends. 
Well, while looking at the ground and walking home, she was suddenly surrounded by a bright light. So she said she looked up and saw a metallic saucer hovering above her head, just at rooftop level of the houses in the neighborhood. She started to run back to the friend's house and it followed her. So she then changed her mind, worried about us, and it followed her back to the house. She was running back to our house. So she ran into the house. She woke up my oldest sister and there it was in our backyard hovering just above the trees. So it then shot back super fast, looking like just a really bright star, but then would shoot close back. Now, I only saw it as a really bright star, but clearly, okay, not because you could see the tree line on the hills behind it. Uh, We all loaded into the car, and the car was also making that whirring sound I told you about through the radio. We drove to my friend's house, and we told her mother what was going on. But by then, it was way further in the distance, and so she didn't believe us and sent us home, basically. Uh, After that, it came so often, it was like we were used to it. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and my mother would just be standing in my room looking out my window and I'd say they're here again and she would just point and we would just sit and watch it together. This happened all the time. Sometimes I'd wake up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom and just be drawn to look out the window and there it was out there every time. My mother told me around the same time that she had woke up in the middle of the night to five gray creatures around her bed who were all naked, but one was taller than the rest and was wearing a brown cloak. She said she felt drugged and went back to sleep. Later that same night, she woke up to a man in a black suit hovering outside of her window, looking curiously in. We never understood the significance of that until years later when the Men in Black movie came out. Now, I feel like they're watching our family all the time. And I wish we had answers to why. You know, we used to say it was my grandmother because on her deathbed she said she was leaving us to go on a spaceship. Now, I'm not sure she did, but I I hope that Maybe someday somebody has some answers for us. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. Like, and and it's still happening. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Well, and and the one was wearing a cloak. I mean, I I think that's the first I've ever heard of that. No, it's not. Okay. Okay. Because I've seen it, Brad's seen it. Um, the, Brad, uh, man, Brad had a number of night hag sightings where they were these tall figures standing around his bed in these long robes, you know, these cloaks, these robes. I've, I've seen cloaked figures before, um, not intermingled, you know, or anything like that with different, you know, yeah. like how she saw different creatures and then one tall. But I mean, again, this fits the idea as well of some of the sightings or abductions where they say there's the shorter uh, goblin type, yeah. you know, grays. And then there's the taller ones as well. I mean, they even joke about it in Invader Zim, <laughs> the tallest. So, <laughs> Well, you've also got the, uh, the tall whites is a type of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, extra crush crew or whatever that's out there too. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but thank you, Jillian. Uh, I really appreciate you, you know, getting that to us because, and I'll be honest with you. I hope you find some answers because, you know, I'm glad that you've gotten used to it because it shows that's not dangerous. 
you know yeah um but you know i would still be freaked out because <laughs> yeah. well, i and, naturally do <laughs> you know and, and i'll and of course I'll, I'll share it here for anybody else that that might need it but you know mufon does have their contactee abductee uh, support group and you can go to www.contacteehelp.com which just redirects you over directly to that support group page on the MUFON website. And that's, um, it's a great resource. You fill out this little questionnaire, you know, just be honest. And then they'll contact you, get yeah, some additional they, information and then, and then provide you with, you know, support to help you process and work through. And I'm glad contact. we found this because, you yeah. know, we get asked this quite a bit and we didn't know where to send people until talking to Kathleen Martin. You know, Kathleen was the one that informed us of the contactee yeah. portion of MUFON. Um, but yeah, I mean, they can direct you to support groups in larger cities, online groups, um, yeah. just places to find support to know that you're not alone. Um, so contacteehelp.com will uh, redirect you to the, the MUFON page there. And uh, so, yeah, you use that if you need it. I know I've I've filled out one. Josh, you filled out one for our experiences. Yep. So, um, but anyways, I don't I don't want to uh, proselytize the contactee help, <laughs> but please use it because I know a lot of you feel so alone and scared and don't know where to turn to uh, because we get messages from you folks all the time. And and so now we can proudly point you there. Yeah. Um, but Josh, I want to go ahead and, and, and get out of here, man. Um, uh, great discussion, duders. Yep. It's been a good conversation. It's been a good conversation. Um, mm-hmm. I'm super excited. I'm going to be seeing you, Josh, in what, two months? Wait, July, August. Yeah, two months. Yeah. Countdown. Me, Eight you, weeks. and Santosh going to Somerset, man. Yep. Spooky, gonna spooky get Somerset. Gonna, and we've already gotten, even the man claiming to be Terry Risk gave us a cool spot to check out. Um, super excited about that. that and if, that, if, go ahead. That also correlated to direction we got from a Ouija session at your apartment. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, dude, that's what you guys don't understand. <laughs> I, know, I know I said we were getting out of here. But this Terry Wrist stuff, it like it, it, the, the emails from Terry are not the only things that we do. Of course, we have our Estes sessions, we have our channeling, and we have Ouija board sessions uh, and stuff like that. Stuff that we've had happen in those sessions or those Ouija board sessions Here's Terry Rist, the man claiming to be Terry Rist, dropping information that we had already referenced to ourselves um, and things like that. So, I mean, and, you know, it's not 100% of it or anything, you know, maybe 1%, 2% or yeah. whatever, but still, it's enough to be like, really? We literally right. just talked about that. Talk about synchronicities. Um, those are some of those things. But I was going to say, if any of you guys have some really cool places that aren't in Hellier, because we already have those listed, um, if you have some cool places in Somerset to check out, doesn't have to be alien related. It can be paranormal. It can be cryptid. Uh, and any within the region. I mean, we're even talking about maybe going to Cumberland Falls for the Moonbow, yeah. um, some things like that. So if you got some cool places for us to check out, let us know. Hit us up uh, in comments or email us, fearscapepodcast at gmail.com we want to know send in your encounters all that stuff so um yeah uh, they're they're second soapbox stepping down <laughs> but yeah so we're gonna get out of here thank you guys so much for listening to fearscape paranormal podcast here on the fearscape media network this is stefan and i will catch you guys on the flip side and keep your eyes to the skies and this is josh the truth is out there and the truth is now and remember folks hold those blankets extra tight because things tend to get spooky when you're listening to Fearscape. Good night, everybody. Good night.
Thank you for tuning in to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. We are on a journey to understand and to discover the phenomena that seems to exist all around the globe. We invite you to join us on this journey into the unknown.